What's up, everybody? This is Justin Flinter coming to you live from Northern Virginia with the Justin Flinter Podcast by My Metro Medicine. This week's topic is about the one, the only, the feared anxiety. Anxiety is something that we all know and heard of. And here's an interesting fact to start us off. Did you know that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States? And it affects approximately 40 million adults ages 18 and older, which is roughly 18.1% of the population every year. This comes from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. That's a stunning statistic if you think about it. Anxiety. This mental illness, this is a form of a mental illness. That's how it is classified, and that's how it is treated. And it comes in many forms. You have probably heard or maybe you've even experienced some of the the other names of anxiety attacks so to speak so we have panic disorders you have like i said anxiety attacks also known as panic attacks we have phobias like social phobias or even those like arachnophobia or claustrophobia these are all forms of what we call anxiety they're under that umbrella and in fact anxiety is a word that comes from latin and actually meant choking to literally choke so i assume it's more than just choking on a chunk of food in your throat most likely choking on your words uh we often use the phrase choking in the moment the guy gets up to shoot a basket in basketball and all of a sudden he chokes or gets on stage and he's ready to perform and then he chokes all of these words we've associated with the word choking which in essence can be related to the mental illness or disorder of anxiety. One of the things that struck me the most when I was reading up on anxiety for a lecture I was preparing was that it is often considered now a normal response. Think about that. Anxiety, classified as a mental illness, is considered normal. So let's take a step back for a moment and think about this. Imagine you yourself are about to get up on stage and sing, we'll say, the Star Spangled Banner for an event. Or maybe you're at a ball game and you're ready to walk out on field and you've been invited to sing the Star Spangled Banner. It's a chance of a lifetime. You walk out onto the field, you turn around, you see tens of thousands of people all staring at you, standing at attention and taking off their hats and waiting for you to sing that first note but it doesn't come out. The symptoms that one experiences in that kind of a moment, their heart starts to race. Their breathing increases. All of a sudden, their brain goes into this fight-or-flight kind of response and says, oh my God, what am I going to do here? Now, that's just in performance. Some people have serious forms of anxiety. They get onto a plane and all of a sudden they go into a panic attack. Maybe they didn't realize they had a fear of flying. But then the moment they get on the plane and their plane is ready to take off, it starts to move. Or maybe they're in the process of taking off. They're gripping on tight. They're starting to they're starting to sweat like crazy. All of the other symptoms I said earlier, they start to freak out. They start to yell and scream and do all kinds of things, which puts people in danger. So there are certain places where we do have to take extreme caution for people to get into these situations and hopefully those airplanes will just turn around come back and land and wait until that passenger is okay off board them and then continue on with where they're supposed to go 
So anxiety can really be a debilitating illness, a debilitating disorder. But I find it problematic that we now consider it to be something that is of a normal response. It's no different than the fact that most people nowadays, when they have a certain symptom in themselves, what do they do? They go online and immediately you begin to search for it. You know, you've done it. I've done it. We've all done it at one time or another. You go online, you type in, uh, what are the symptoms of this disease? Or do I have this disease? Or what are my symptoms pointing towards? What kind of illness might I have? And then WebMD or whatever search or search engine that you use starts to spit out a whole slew of diagnoses. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Your heart starts to race. Your breathing increases. You start to get hysterical and call your best friend and start to freak out and say, oh my God, I think I have A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. It's just crazy. All of my symptoms align with these things. I think I might have one of these. I need to make a doctor's appointment. So you call your doctor, you make your appointment, you get in there, and then you bring your list of diagnoses and all of your symptoms, and you start to give them a dissertation on what it is that you found to be wrong with yourself. I mean, you can hear in my speaking alone right now the the speed of how things go whenever you start to experience these kind of symptoms. So is it really that anxiety is a normal response? Or is it that we are just so unaware of how to control our emotions in these types of situations that we have no place else to go but into a complete state of panic? There are those situations where, as I mentioned before, the person gets on the plane, they've never flown before, they're not sure how they're going to do, they have a little bit of fear, but they never thought it would turn into a panic attack of all things. And then they get hysterical, they freak out, and then they end up in the hospital. There are those types of situations, sure. And also anxiety goes even farther for those who have served in the military and have witnessed and experienced horrific things. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is huge. It doesn't just extend to the military. It's anyone who's experienced some sort of trauma over either a short period of time or a long period of time. It does not matter. Anything that affects you that is really difficult to get out of your mind, if you are unable to move past that or to find a way to get through it when it resurfaces, you yourself can, can place yourself into these states of panic. Another point I'd like to make is that I bet you've taken a test or two in your life, right? Well, we've all experienced what we like to call test anxiety. How exactly does that fit into the equation? It's the same kind of symptoms. Is it a mental illness? Is it a mental disorder? Maybe by means of classification, yes. But in actuality, is it really a mental disorder? It's just a change in your mental state. Test anxiety. You got a whole bunch of information that you have to retain in a short period of time so that you can spit it out whenever you get to the point where you have to take your examination. You show up for your test. You experience all the same symptoms as someone in a panic attack. And maybe I'm sure there's people out there who have actually gone into a panic attack when they, get it, when they show up for their test and they're sitting down to take it. Perhaps. So what is one way that we can get past that? Well, we, we know for a fact that we're going to have to take the examination that's sitting right in front of us. So 
what better way to prepare ourselves for the test than to begin early with our studying, have a plan, develop a way of, of approaching the examination and understanding the knowledge, use our support system to help us in terms of studying and also reaching out to your teachers and professors to get a better understanding of the information if you in fact are missing something, scheduling out time to prepare yourself for the examination, just essentially doing your best to reach that point when you sit down and you have no material around you except for the papers in front of you for that examination and a writing utensil. That's it. Once the test is over, what do you do? Do you immediately backtrack and say, ah, dang it, I missed that question. I was so stupid. How could I have missed that? You go back and look at your notes. You, you try to research every single question. Are you able to go and change the results of your test that you've just taken and handed in? Absolutely not. So you do your best in the beginning to get yourself there. You take the examination and it's over. That's it. The result will be what the result is. You cannot do anything about it. So preparing yourself to get to those kind of points, even if you are experiencing some symptoms of anxiety, as long as you're prepared and you build yourself up to it and you do your best along the way, after that examination is over, after that moment is over where your anxiety surfaces at its maximum amount, you have the ability to calm that down. So what, in fact, are some ways to prevent anxiety itself? Because ultimately, my personal opinion only, I believe that anxiety is essentially a disease state of mind and being that I like to call unprepared. Think about it. You're unprepared for a test. What's going to happen? You're going to have worse symptoms than if you were actually prepared. Someone who is well prepared for an examination will be less likely to experience those extremes in terms of anxiety, as opposed to the individual who is completely unprepared. The person who is unprepared, who has done none of that, and just says, ah, you know what? I got better things to do, and you know, I, I just do my best. I don't care what happens. I'm gonna, I, I think I'll pass it anyways. This stuff is easy. And then you show up, then the universe hits you in the head and says, well, what do you think of it now? Same is true for those who are even at those extremes of panic attacks or I might draw the line at PTSD for those who have gone some through those horrific events in their lives, whether it be in the military, whether it be rape, whether it be some other unbelievable form of suffering. In those cases, sure, being prepared is to essentially keep you alive. It's not necessarily to help you to deal with the situation afterward. That's when you need true assistance. That's when you need the support of the individuals. For someone who's experiencing test anxiety, they just have to be prepared to get to that moment. And once that moment is over, it is done. It's not life or death. But those moments when they are in fact life or death, and that person is in the moment later on, 10 years after it actually happened, and they're experiencing the same symptoms because of these backflashes, that is a whole different story. That requires a, a, a level of attention from a professional from someone that can actually help them. 
However, someone who just experiences a panic attack in the presence of a spider or in the presence of a snarling little toy poodle out on the sidewalk because, who knows, 35 years ago they were bitten by a dog when they were a child and they just have this emotional response that was trained inside of them. And then 35 years later, they have the same thing happen. And then the same emotional response happens. They freak out. They run in their house. They panic. They hide in a closet. The fact that someone is unaware of how to keep their emotional state under wraps some individuals do need that closer attention in terms of therapy they might need psychotherapy they might need cognitive behavioral therapy which is an excellent method of helping someone to understand the emotions that are essentially inappropriate for the situation such as in the in the presence of a spider sitting on a desk right in front of me if i were to freak out or pass out or get all hysterical because there's a spider sitting right in front of me i would say that's a bit inappropriate unless the spider is as big as my car so god i hope there isn't one out there sitting in the morning when i get out to my car uh i do not have a fear of spiders but Anyone would probably freak out if they saw a spider that big. That would be normal response to, or normal anxiety response. But someone who who does, in fact, freak out in the presence of a tiny little spider, that emotional response would be and should be considered inappropriate. It doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. It just means they've experienced something that needs to be altered. They need help to get to a different emotional response. And that takes a little time. That is where I'm going when I meet unprepared in these types of situations. So it's not a say-all, be-all when I say test anxiety. You know what? Just get over it. Panic attack, panic, panic disorders. You know what? Just get over it. Some of those situations also, social phobias, the people who are afraid to go out into public. That's a whole other ballgame. That's a whole other thing that requires an individual to be slowly exposed to society, to be slowly exposed uh, re-exposed back into uh, the normal quote-unquote ways of life I'm sure you've heard in the news a couple years ago when uh, some children who were held essentially hostage in a house I think it was somewhere in Ohio maybe it was somewhere else these several children were forced to stay in a house and were never allowed to leave Imagine what it's like when they are released from that form of captivity and they reemerge back into society. That's going to be a humongous shock for them. So we should be careful to classify ourselves as being in a state of anxiety. The ones who are really suffering by going through these horrific experiences in their lives, those are the people who are able to say that they are experiencing a state of anxiety. The, the experience of what I said earlier, choking. So what are the things that we can do, the ones who are experiencing the more minor forms of anxiety, what can we do to actually prevent this from happening? One of the phrases we commonly use is, we have butterflies in the stomach. <laughs> 
right? Usually that's when maybe you're getting a little excited, you get on a roller coaster, you haven't ridden one in a really long time, but someone forced you to get on, you're climbing up that first big hill and you're ready for that first big drop, you get those butterflies in your stomach. Or as I mentioned earlier, maybe you're going out on the stage to give a performance or you're getting up to do your presentation. One way or another, you might be experiencing the sensation of what we call butterflies in the stomach. So in order to prevent these kind of symptoms from worsening, not prevent them from happening at all, because partially it is a normal response, this fight or flight response, it's just how far we let it get out of control, which will eventually turn into the debilitating anxiety. One of the things that we can do is to not try to swat away these butterflies, so to speak. So don't try to swat them away and say, no, I don't want you here. This this is an inappropriate symptom that I'm having, not an inappropriate emotional response, an inappropriate symptom that is going to turn me, that's going to transform me into an emotional nightmare right here in front of all of these people. No, do not try to swat those butterflies away. That initial sensation that you have is normal. That initial response of that flight or flight, fight or flight is in fact normal. We don't want to try to calm them down or swat them away. In essence, what we need to do for those, for those butterflies, stay with me here with the analogy, we have to give them something to feed on. You understand what I mean? Butterflies. Think of an actual butterfly outdoors. What are they doing? They're searching for the plant. They want something to eat off of that plant. And then they fly away to the next plant. The butterflies on our stomach, we should treat them essentially the same way. We need to give them something to feed on. So what exactly would our butterflies on our stomach feed on? Well, they feed on things like preparedness, confidence, someone who is actually taking care of themselves. For example, the person who has a healthy diet, the person who sleeps the proper amount for themselves, the person who does enough exercise for themselves, essentially the person who cares for themselves on a physical level, on a mental level, and a spiritual level. This type of prevention is nothing more than the old Chinese saying of to know your opponent, you must first know yourself. In order for you to prevent your emotions from getting the better of you, you have to know how those emotions are inside of you, number one. Are they appropriate? Do they serve the situation that you are in right now? And if they do, how can you harness them? And even if they don't also, how can you harness them to use them to your advantage? How can you rein them in? Are you prepared? Do you, on a regular basis, prepare yourselves for these types of situations, these types of moments? Do you feel confident in your abilities? Do you feel confident that no matter if someone asks you in the moment, says, okay, uh, your colleague didn't show up for work today, they're too ill, and we need you to give the presentation. Can you do something for us today? We have an hour. Can you put something together? Are you the type of person who freaks out? Are you a type of person who is prepared enough because you are nurturing yourself for the last how many years to get to this type of moment? Not to say that this moment is what you have been preparing yourself for, but actually, unconsciously, 
you have. You've been preparing yourself for this type of a moment. There are, of course, all of the other things that we can do to prepare ourselves. As I mentioned, we can move our body. We can do the exercise. There's also the relaxation practices that help keep us in touch with ourselves. Tai Chi is a fantastic form of exercise. Calms your body, calms your mind. Mindfulness training is one of the newest forms. Meditation, yoga, martial arts, except for those aggressive types that are trying to put you into the octagon and say, okay, there's your opponent, go kill him. To prevent anxiety, to prevent these symptoms of anxiety from occurring, we want to avoid any types of destructive techniques. And that includes the opposite of all of the prevention methods I just discussed. And in addition to those, we want to avoid any essentially bad eating habits. And one of the biggest things nowadays that really affects us negatively is binge watching. Yes, everything is at your fingertips right now. That's probably how you're listening to me right now. But it doesn't mean you have to be there all the time. You don't have to watch your phone all the time. Of course, technology is great. It has got us to where we are now. And that is not a conversation I want to go into. In fact, I've probably had it so many times. I'm... Uh, I have nothing more to say on it. So destructive techniques, the biggest of all I say right now being binge watching that really keeps people from taking the time to nurture themselves. Think about it. You sit there and you watch episode after episode after episode and before you know it, it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you've been watching something on your device for the last 4, 5, 6 hours. It's insane. That would in fact, nourish your anxiety rather than the other way around. So say you are, in fact, watching for six hours. I hope you are not. But if you are, what else could you do with those six hours besides sitting there and watching your, watching your phone or your device and binge watching for hours on end? Anxiety does not have to be considered a normal response. It does not have to be the most common mental illness in the United States affecting 40 million adults. It does not have to reach that point. How can it not? You can take control of your emotional state, your emotional responses. You can prepare yourselves for these types of moments in your life by simply saying, I will do whatever it takes to keep myself in a peak state. The state that I know that I will function at my highest level because I have set a standard for living at that level and I will assume and believe that I will live nothing less than that. The moment you take your life under your control and that includes your physical, mental, and spiritual portions of your life. Every single part, conscious and unconscious, is affected by how you prepare yourself in each moment of your life. So if you have not started to prepare yourself, start doing it now. Start doing the basics of what I just mentioned earlier about how you can prevent anxiety. Eat well, sleep well, move well. Start to prepare yourself. Build the confidence within yourself. Avoid all of these negative habits. Nourish all 
only the positive habits. And if you aren't sure what those positive habits are, go back and listen to all the other podcasts that I have recorded, all of the other conversations I have had with these experts over the last several months. They're all available to you for free. Time is of the essence in your life. And I have done my absolute best to put as much information into these podcasts that can help you to prepare yourself for these moments in your life so that you don't have to waste time figuring out how to do it later in that actual moment. Build yourself up to it. Then when you actually get to that point, you will realize how easy it actually can be. So make the choice to live in a completely 100% prepared state of mind. Nourish only yourself and the best parts of yourself. And each day, raise your standard a little bit higher and stay in that peak of energy, of passion, of discipline, so that no matter what you confront in your life, you will conquer it. You will have prepared yourself for those moments. And even if later on you do experience some suffering in your life, that you will be strong enough and you will know yourself well enough to work your way through it, whether it's by yourself or with the support of another individual. Ultimately, though, we all have the power to take control of our emotional state, of our well-being, and of our lives. I wish you all an awesome week, an awesome day, an awesome life. Whether it's the first time you're hearing me, whether it's the last time you're going to hear me, one way or another, I wish you the best. I always wish you the best. If you have any questions whatsoever at any point, if you need help with your anxiety issues, your anxiety symptoms, if you need a little training, if you need a little kick in the rear end, you call me, you email me, you text me, you direct message me on any social media platform. I am there 24 hours a day. I will reach out. I will help you no matter what it is that it takes. I am here for you, and I will be here again for the next podcast, so stay tuned. This is Justin Flinter coming to you live from Northern Virginia with the Justin Flinter Podcast by My Metro Medicine. Have an awesome day, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by My Mentor Medicine, an organization that is dedicated to helping people improve their lives by learning to empower themselves and take control of their own life. Any form of reproduction or distribution of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Should you have any questions on using this podcast or information that is contained within this podcast, please write to info at mymetromedicine.com.